All right, we got a very special episode of Top 5 tonight. We got two crazy freak guests to list our top five wrestling storylines of all time. Woo! Welcome to Top 5 with Joey Casada. Starring Joey Casada. Team Jesus, my friend. No! Am I walking around, Paul? Co-starring Ernie Palooza. And the doctor, Tommy Snyder. Goddamn. Now here's your host, Joey Casada. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Top 5. I'm your host, Joey Casada. We don't have Ernie with us tonight because Ernie knows nothing about wrestling. So I called in two of the biggest freaks on the planet. And by the looks of them, you, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can tell the, I've assembled some crew here tonight. First, two of my former bandmates in our band, Kiss Nation. Let's start out with Ace Freely, Mr. Ruby Renexa. Hey, what's up, gang? What's up? Great to be here. Seeing Los, seeing you, Joey. Talk about some wrestling. It's going to be a good time. Let's do it. All right, and on the bottom of your screen, don't try to adjust the screen. Don't adjust the picture. It's not fuzzy. It's not, this, is, this is really him. The long-lost Samoan brother. I thought it was my Wi-Fi. <laughs> we got Los Espada. Hello, everyone. Welcome and welcome to Joey and Ruby. And oh, God, to be wow. in a room is not a good thing. <laughs> What's happening, you... you freak? So we haven't, the three of us, what was the last time the three of us were in a room together? Wow. God knows when. Cutting room, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I was well, going to we, say. Well, we were in the same building, but not really together. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So what's happening, you freak? So obviously, we got a long history together. So just to recap, everyone, Carlos, Ruby, and I were in a band, Kiss Nation, together. I joined. Uh, I was the last member to join. So I joined in 2001. I, was I gave you like five songs to audition. Very easy. Very easy audition uh, you know, routine, you know, you know, despite what you might have said in your, your fictitious book. Just, I'm just saying. You know what? Now, saying. now that we have, now that we have a third person here, you're right. We've been battling back and forth. I, I've been saying for years, and it's written in my book, which makes it law, by the way, that Ruby gave me 33 songs to learn. 33 songs to learn for my audition for Kiss Nation. I remember. He says he gave me like seven or eight. Carlos, no, can you please? I, re I, rem I remember it being a large number because when he had mentioned how many songs you sent him i was even befuddled because i said man eric Carr didn't even have that many songs to learn when he joined kids that is completely <laughs> a half truth so, no, you, and, no he's he's right in a weird way because what he did he sent me a list of 12 and then about three hours later he's like you know what actually why don't you look over these 12 as well 
And then the oh, next morning, like the morning of the audition, he's like, yeah, well, you know what? Actually, what, can you look over these 12 as well? And by the way, we, we do all the live animalized uncensored versions all of all live. these songs. Can you please make sure that you have all those live. versions? All eyes. All eyes. Viewers here, they don't know what they're talking about. If I misread <laughs> history, I gave maybe, must need to be maybe six or seven songs. Oh, God. <laughs> Did I possibly give him a list of 30 songs? Maybe, but I didn't say he had to learn 30 songs. Oh, and no, no, no. And and maybe do, we'll do about five or six. And the caveat, I learned, of course, all 36, 33, whatever the hell it was. So I, and I, I'm ready to fire any one of them yeah. off at first. I said, guys, what do you want to do first? Ruby goes, oh, I don't know. Why don't we, let's do Strutter. I said, just, I said, just so you know, I know Strutter, but I'm going to let you know. I remember he, you saying that. Here's the email. Strutter is not on the 33 song list. Uh, I will admit to that. That's, that part is true. That part is true. <laughs> so even after all that, I joined the band. We did a lot of fun things together. We have we had a we have a doc filmed for VH1. It's on my YouTube channel called Mock Rock Kiss Nation Mock Rock. Check it out. I'll, I'll add the link to this episode. But it's a, it's a full documentary VH1 shot of us about the band. Gene and Paul from Kiss are in it. It's it's a lot of fun. It's really if you like Z Rock and these guys always give me shit about this. If anyone went out there as a yeah, fan we wait, of Z Rock. This is really the start of Xerox because us three morons, along with Paul, basically Z, stole all of our road trip stories and put it in season one of Xerox. So, any ZO2 fans watching, if you've enjoyed the first season of Xerox, just imagine us. It's us, it's our stories. Yeah. Well, so we, we, didn't, we didn't get asked to make a cameo. No. Well, I mean, listen, first of all, we can't steal the stories if we're, they're half our stories as well, number one. Number two, we tried to lobby for you, but the network was like, listen, we can't have those two faces on TV. Mm. They said, let's I'm recast them. I'm not going to say who probably said that, but yeah, I, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. The, the VH1 doc, a lot of the, the footage that got left on the cutting room floor really was what Xerox was. Our stories, our banter together, calling each other freak, all that started with Kiss Nation. And it just blended over to Xerox because obviously Paulie Z was in Kiss Nation with us. And my banter with Paulie always stayed. And then of course, I just had the same banter with, with Dave. And I just called, you know, made fun of him too. And it just, it's, it's, the, it's the New York, East Coast humor about, you know, just ragging on each other all the time, I think. And can I just can I tell uh, everyone watching here, uh, I'm, you know, currently in uh, the current version of the Kiss Nation. I'm still in. I got to tell you, without Joey and Carlos, my stress level is so much at ease right now. Probably <laughs> higher now. You guys drove me nuts. <laughs> I, love, I love how you only mentioned two. So I mean, somebody else is giving you a hard time. But what, yeah, what, what about the other member of Kiss Nation? What Paulie is the one that drove you the most nuts. Well, he's not here. That's true. You know, let's let's we'll do a top five with all four of us, and and uh, you know, I'll let loose on him. How about that? 
That is an actual great suggestion. I think we got to get Paulie on one of these days. We do a top five Kiss Nation road stories. Yeah, and how, how how he just like tortured me about you know oh it's only a tribute band but now he's in like in a Queen tribute band I'm like okay whatever <laughs> oh he used like to three torture you bands. yeah <laughs> he's in like three tribute bands now or something like that <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's I know we got a little bit of a time constraint today uh, I got you two on obviously two big wrestling fans everyone knows I'm a I'm a major major wrestling fan. I've been wanting to do this topic for a long time. Hard to get people to really dive in the way I think the three of us will dive into this. We're going to be doing our top five wrestling storylines of all time. Now, what is a wrestling storyline, Carlos? Like, what's an angle? What does that mean? Can it just be, you know, what was your criteria? Well, for an angle, you, it's all about the, it's just like a, telling a, a story in general you the beginning middle and end there's a payoff at the end so what's what what starts it and then how emotionally uh connected is everyone to the resolve so that's that's where you end up your resolve is obviously most like most of the time is a pay-per-view event if there were even pay-per-views during some of these storylines what about you were did you have any kind of like okay this is what I think of as a storyline. Like, did you have to go research anything or right at the top of your head? Did you know, oh, my God, here's my favorite storylines of all time? Oh, I mean, right, right away when you asked me about this, I knew the ones that that touched me like uh, mentally, you know, just from my childhood of watching throughout the years. So I already knew a bunch that I wanted to like uh, uh, chat about now. But my prediction is amongst the three of us, I think I think Carlos is going to go deep. I think Carl's going to go deep. <laughs> he, he might throw in like like some Japan stuff, you know, stuff I've never heard of. <laughs> I think Joey's going to be in the middle, okay? And I'm probably going to give you your most hanging fruit answers. <laughs> but I, listen, I think because we're so similar in age, we grew up in the heyday of wrestling in the 80s and, of course, and then the explosion in the 90s. I can't imagine we're not going to have a couple – that are that are duplicates here so that's okay no big deal i oh, want to hear what your you know your real top five storylines of all time are and it doesn't mean the best storylines doesn't mean the most impactful it just means like holy shit you kind of remember that you remember what it meant what as it was going on whether it was to the pop culture uh world or to you whatever it was all right let's dive in but before we dive in i gotta Ooh. of course pitch out some of our merch we got our merch on amazon.com you can buy top five with joey casada t-shirts on amazon.com we got the ernie shirt we got the doc monster shirt two of my co-hosts all available on amazon.com just type in top five with joey casada all that stuff will pop up of course you can email us at top five with joey casada at gmail.com give us some feedback let us know what you think of these freaky guests i have on here today uh also at the end of the episode Keep listening. Let us know what you think of our picks. Let us know what you think of the storyline. Send us your favorite wrestling storylines of all time. All right, Carlos. Wait, wait, my, my question is, where, where can I get the Joey Casada nose? I can't find that on Amazon. Oh, this, this is a very special edition. Where can we get that? Made by my mom back in the day. Very special edition. You need like a, wait, wait, till they make, wait till they make YouTube 3D. Then it's really going to There you go. Your nose Listen, is coming out to the living room. 
we're filming this right before New Year's. You know, unfortunately, you guys weren't on the, the short list that got my new limited edition snow globes. Um, I did oh, send one to those globes. What? what? I did those send globes? one. I did send one to my boy Jericho. He didn't get it yet. He's in Canada, but he thinks possibly bandits might have stolen the uh, the snow globe. He literally messaged me last night that he doesn't have it. I sent him the tracking info. I said, asshole, you have it. It's in your mailbox. He goes, the wet bandits might have stolen it. So hopefully he gets it. <laughs> All right, freak, let's go. Carlos, what's your yeah. number five? Your number five storyline of all time. Number five. Let's see. Let's go for Let's go. Well, number one, I already have picked. We'll do number five. I'd have to say, I, I would probably say it would be between. Um, no Austin between. No between. Give me one. Okay. Austin, Austin and The Rock has to be number five. Austin and The Rock face to face. I'll tell you what, hey, Stone Cold Jabroni, you come out here and you make your idle threats like you're the great one, but obviously you're not. So The Rock says, you take that truck and drive it right back down. Know your rule boulevard. You drive it right back to Jabroni Drive and you check your candy. So just their overall feud, right? The overall feud and everything that led up to it. The, the um, see, like that was the thing that I loved about that last Attitude Era of wrestling was you didn't have um, they didn't wrestle every week. They they ambushed each other every week, and then the payoff was was WrestleMania. So that was the greatest thing about it. Like you know, whether they be like The Rock, you know having a match in Austin with its fear and vice versa or beat each other up at some wild location and all kind of crazy things happening. But their bands are back and forth, um, not only not only physically because they were great workers, but also verbally they were great talkers. So their bands are back and forth was classic. I mean, of course, I mean, two of the biggest stars in the business ever. And at this, to have them at the same time in this in the same company was you know, really something to, to watch every week. I agree. Love that whole feud between the two of them. And, I, and, and something what you said was true, which I don't think they do enough of today. The buildup was so great because they really, even though they, they laid hands on each other a lot, there wasn't actual matches until the payoffs. Right. It wasn't a match on Raw every week. It wasn't a match on SmackDown every week. It was banter every week and maybe a run-in or a punch or here of something backstage, but it wasn't... The, to me, the feud always accumulated with getting, okay, let's get our hands on each other inside a ring and settle this. Sometimes in a steel cage. Of course, we know feuds end in a steel cage a lot, but I couldn't agree more. I, I love the build of them and, and just the banter back and forth week after week. <clears throat> Good start, Freak. All right, Rubes. Number five, what do you got? All right, number five for me, I'm going to go, I'm have to go with ladies first. I'm going to have to go with Trish and Lita. That looks so pretty. <laughs> 
No, I'm glad I bumped into you. You know, I've been, I've been thinking about you a lot. Seriously, I've been thinking what a year you've had. Think about it. You finally get back together with Matt Hardy, right? And then you, you ruin his career. And then you marry Kane, and then... Now, I'm not... Did I see a little sparkle in your eye at Taboo Tuesday? I'm just... Did you... Huh? Did you be more concerned about, um... Is your pregnancy weight? Because, um... As a friend, I'm just telling you, you look, uh... A little... Chubby. Just their entire, their entire run together. I think, I mean, we've had obviously um, iconic female wrestlers before that. You're, you're Wendy Richters, Abos Mula, Medusa, et cetera, Sherry Martell. But I think uh, Trish and Lita provided the, provides the framework of what you see in female wrestling today, in my opinion, uh, because they were doing it back then when you had like when women female wrestling was all about the pillow fighting and all the sexy bra and panties thing but they came out with their in-ring ability uh just their ability to work the mic and the ability to carry on a storyline that would make the fans you know believe in all this stuff and i that whole framework I see today, I don't think you see, I don't think you get women's evolution without Trish and Lita. I don't think you get, you know, like Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, you know, Sasha Banks without what they've done together, you know? So uh, yeah, number five for me goes to Trish Stratus and Lita. Definitely a great pick. I mean, you're so right. I, I don't think <clears throat> they were so important to wrestling for women, Trish and Lita. And it, it came out of nowhere too. It wasn't like, like now that, you know, with the, with the banks and, and Charlotte and all that stuff, they knew they started pushing these women more athletic, more storyline based. They were giving these women the time to, you know, flourish and build these storylines. Trish and Lita had to fight for that time. They made that time for them because they, they were, were so undeniably no, good. Know. Right. They were so great on screen. They were so great at everything they did. And neither one of them started like that. Lita started with, she was the manager for God. Who was she with, Carlos? You remember, like the Luchador people, right? Aguila. She's with Aguila. Right. So she, but she started in Mexico. That's why. Right. But and when she they brought her in, in Mexico, well, when they brought her in the WWE, she was more of a. I mean, she she got in a little bit involved in the manager. ring. Manager. She was. Yeah. And and same thing with Trish. Trish was all TNA. No, no, you know, wrestling at first. She was all yeah. built on storyline and her looks and right. and with a uh, test they, and they, and. They, and but if you look back, actually, it's so funny because female wrestling took a pause because if you look at the, if you talk about feuds in that aspect, you had Wendy Richter and Bula. And those were real yep. wrestlers. And then the TNA thing came in and right. then they reverted back to, to women. Yeah, but even, I mean, even action. the Wendy Richters and the Mulas, I mean, they didn't have, they, even the, the time that they gave them was nothing like what they were doing obviously now of course and then with leader right. and trish too they didn't oh, have no, the no, athletic yeah. ability they were they were wrestling but they weren't you know really tr mula i guess was but she wasn't you know you didn't look at them and really think wow this is equal to the guys on this card 
until well, really, came, yeah, to me, until, until, until Trish and Lita. Yeah. Right. Until they came. Right. Until Trish and Lita yeah. came. Yeah. Great one. I mean, they were like, right. I mean, now, now, now women's matches are like main event. You know. Yeah. Main, yeah. Yeah, well, it, 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 took, it took America a long time to catch up to Japan and Mexico where they celebrated women wrestling for ages. Agreed. All right, let's get back in. All right, so my number five, I'm going to start big. It's not, it's not necessarily one of my favorite things that happened in wrestling, but I think it was, obviously, it's one of the biggest things that ever happened in wrestling. It's one of the most important things that ever happened in wrestling because of what came after it. But I'm going to start with the Montreal Screwjob. Oh, you're kidding me. Are you going to try to beat Bret Hart with a sharpshooter? Yes, he is! Watching it go down, and as a fan, you, you, it kind of blended the lines of reality and, and who was the winner, and everyone was confused. Are you kidding me? As shocked as Bret the Hitman Hart was. What happened? What happened? Bret Hart gave up with a sharpshooter. You saw Bret Hart go to town. He destroyed the set. He was spitting in the air. He was writing WCW, and you knew something big was going on. Just because, and I don't, you know, the stuff with Bret and the stuff with Sean, yeah, was it a, a big controversy that they screwed Bret out of the title because he wasn't going to drop it the right way, and then he was leaving for WCW? Yeah, I get all that. But what people really forget, and obviously wrestling fans don't forget, but I think the average person on wrestling, average wrestling fans today, younger wrestling fans, forget that from that Montreal screw job, Mr. McMahon was born. He became a heel right. off of that. The screw job happened. And then when, when Vince goes on the air the following week to explain what happened, he thought he was going to explain it in a way where he was going to be the baby face and Brett screwed Brett. And, you know, you know, the whole that whole big famous interview. But what happened was the fans were like, this guy's an asshole. Look at he's such a pompous. <laughs> he's a pompous prick. And then from that, that yeah. Mr. McMahon character started to develop. And then obviously, you know, keep it keeps going throughout the whole Austin McMahon feud and all that stuff. But. That Montreal screw job opens up the door to kayfabe and to show us what, who is the owner of, of, we don't even know the owner of WWE at that time. I mean, real wrestling fans probably did, but the audience thinks Vince is an announcer. They don't know that he's the owner and, the, you know, the CEO and all this stuff. They don't know that he has this power. And did now, we still when, think it was, did we still think it was Jack Tunney? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Well, he I was still, the acting. He was the president of those. <laughs> but seriously, as a kid, you don't know Vince McMahon's the owner. I, I think Jack Tunney, of course. Yeah, yeah. Vince is the, the announcer. So when this happens and this opens up the door to kayfabe, and for people who don't know what kayfabe is, Carlos, tell people what kayfabe means. It's basically just kind of like a true confession thing. Like kayfabe is keeping up the keeping up the gimmick, no matter where you're at. So Undertaker was the king of kayfabe. We just talked about that not too long ago. For 30 years, he never broke character. So wherever you saw him, he was Undertaker. So that means, you know, now, you know, behind peeking behind the curtain, the kayfabe is broken. Before, that was like a very big no-no in the industry. Right, but I mean... Now he's just Mark. Yeah, Vince pulled the, Vince pulled the curtain behind it. He pulled that but, curtain wide open, and that was it. Right, for people who don't, especially younger listeners who don't necessarily understand what we're saying, 
for the, the, the history of wrestling up until, you know, the 90s, kayfabe meant, you know, keeping the illusion of these characters and the baby faces and the heels and <clears throat> that there, everything was on, on the up and up, that, you know, matches weren't scripted and so on and so forth, that wrestling was a full-on real sport. Nothing was scripted. Nothing was storyline. So, you know, you would have heels and baby faces not even allowed to interact outside of outside of the wrestling. They couldn't travel together, couldn't travel together yeah. couldn't room together. You couldn't see them in a bar together because people would say, well, how the hell is, you know, the Iron Sheik and, and Sergeant Slaughter hanging out in a bar together? They can't be in their enemies. They can't be in the bar together. So for years, yeah. this thing with kayfabe meant you kept that illusion going. And I think it's really, you know, unfortunate that it, it, it broke. I understand how it broke and why it broke, because with today's day and age with the Internet, probably could never keep kayfabe again. But it made it more special, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's like it's the, it was it just kept it kept you it kept you invested as a, as a story, as a watcher, as a fan. You know, and, and the storytelling back then was really done really well. You know, now. Right. With this, now with smartphones and everybody's clicking photos of wrestlers together, you know, so it doesn't even matter anymore. Yeah, it's, I mean, listen, I I get it. I, I just watched Top Gun Maverick last night. Am I in? I know it's not real. I know Tom Cruise is an actor in the in the movie. He's not really Maverick. Oh, oh really, Joey? Oh, really? Oh, but what I'm okay. saying is, people people who yell that we how could you watch wrestling? You know, it's it's not real. What the hell does that mean? It's a television show. It's scripted. It's a storyline. Well, I can right. I can watch a movie. I don't have to believe Tom Cruise's Maverick to be invested in the movie and care if he dies or something happens to him. All I have to do is watch and understand that it's a movie. What, what do you mean wrestling's not real? What are you talking uh -oh. about? What are you um, talking about? Uh, uh. Earmuffs, Ruby earmuffs. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's it, you know, that's when you tell him Johnny Depp is not really a pirate. <laughs> what? Look, uh, Carlos, no, you're gonna sorry. Ruby's gonna need therapy after this episode. What's the matter with you? All right, Los, we're back around to you. Number four. Number four. No, number four. I would have to say this is going to Lucha Underground now. Uh -oh. Here we go. Everybody has to say, um, dig in deep. That's a great show. I don't, have you guys ever watched Lucha Underground? It's awesome. Uh, I'd probably have to say Penta and um, and Mil Muertes. So Penta's now Penta Zero Mero is in AEW now with the Lucha Brothers. But he started in Lucha Underground. Um, and that was a great show. Actually. And that was the thing that made me laugh when people said, well, wrestling can't go backwards. But Lucha Underground killed it in rating. And it was basically what WWF was, what WWE was in the 80s. You know, they kept up that kayfabe and they kept up the characters and the story-driven matches. So I always thought that was great. And, uh, the way those two worked together was phenomenal. Like Mil Muertes for a big guy, he flies. So that was always it was always impressive to see him do his thing. Yeah, Lucha Underground is definitely something I wanted to get into. I just never had the chance to do it. I, I'm disappointed that I didn't. I know it's off the air now, but freak. On the same note, here's a question. Here's what I, what I, I've been thinking of this recently. Tell me if you think this model would even work today, Rube. You too, of course. So obviously we have all these streaming services, right? Everything we do today is we binge watch, right? Every time there's a new show coming on, everyone binge watches it. They watch six, seven, eight, nine episodes in two days, and everyone knows that the whole season, right? Very rarely are you watching 
episodic weekly television anymore, right? Why can't wrestling do something like this? And I'm not saying the two big companies right now. I'm not saying AEW or WWE. Why can't a Netflix or a Paramount or an HBO Plus or one of these streaming services do their own wrestling organization or even one of the existing, whether it's TNA, whether it's a, maybe a Lucha Underground again, and I'm not even, I don't think Lucha did this, but why can't they film a season? Not do it episodic live tapings and all this stuff. Film a season with storylines, backstage banter, you know, vignettes, all this stuff. Script a storyline, 12, 14, 15, 18 episodes, whatever the hell you want to make it, and put it out as a, as a, as a be all end all wrestling season that you can get invested in like any other television show. Why wouldn't this work? Oh, will there be matches? Of course. Will, yeah, yeah. Will, same, will, same. Will, will the matches have audiences? Because you mentioned, like, you know. Yeah, it could be. Of course, all these could be filmed in front of live audiences. Oh. It just has to be, it has to be taped, of course, so the mat, everything can air at the same time. Yeah. Hmm. Well, Lucha Underground did do that. They just didn't. They just didn't air it all at once because at that point nobody was really doing that. That was still right. very. When they were around, it was still everything was still episodes. So they did episodes, but they filmed everything within two months. Everything was shot the whole season. And well, that's filmed what, that, season by season. The seasons of Lucha Underground. Right. That's what made me even think of it when you mentioned Lucha Underground. I just don't understand. Again, wrestling in the grand scheme of things is pretty cheap to film compared to filming Stranger Things or blah, 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 all these other big budget shows. Relatively cheap to film, even if you're paying the roster, you're paying the live events, you're doing all this stuff. Even if you pay for the house, you don't you don't make any money on the tapings like a real wrestling event. You pay for the house, right? It, it's relatively cheap to film, even with full, full, full-blown production. I just think that this is what the wrestling world is missing right now. I want to see a storyline... Yeah, over episodic television like that. I can't follow WWE okay. and AEW because it's too long. There's too many sideshows. The, the storylines are all over the place. I can't, I can't keep up with it because it's too much to consume. And it's too much to wait every week to, to consume a little bit more. Right. But, but also, you got to remember, shows like Stranger Things and Wednesday and whatever else, those people are not doing their own stunts. They're not doing their own matches. Like a wrestler has to, you know, like, your body can only go through so much abuse within, within a couple of hours a period. So if you have a whole different thing. Some, some, no, no uh, but a show like Wednesday's not, it's not recorded over a week period. That Wednesday probably took six months to record. You can, right. you can, but you I'm can take. You, you know, I mean, well, Lucha, like I said, Lucha Underground filmed everything within two months. So they filmed two months and they filmed their whole season. Right. So, you know, you do have to give guys a bit of a break in between because, you know, obviously people get hurt, there's injuries, you know. Of course, of um, course. Right. I mean, I, you... I don't, I don't, yeah. I just, so I just I, think it's a missed opportunity. Did do that. They just, they just... Enjoy, enjoy. Go so ahead, bro. Having I a... think it could happen. I mean, Lucha Underground just didn't get a chance to take off because they killed the network. Right. All right, Rube, we're up to you. Number four. All right, number four, I, I'm going to go with uh, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, and the Dragon, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Steamboat, let me go on record 
and telling the whole world you are the greatest wrestler on the face of this earth. But pal, today, right here, you gotta beat Ric Flair one more time. Remember Steamboat? And pal, I'll kiss your boots if you can do it. I think the, what the two of them did together was iconic and amazing. And listen, I just like, I just uh, just recapped and, and, and basically watched what all they did together. You know, uh, the three huge matches they did, you know, Chi-Town Rumble, Clash of Champions and Wrestle War. I think it was just the storyline and their rivalry was just how it was done, how it was written, how it was pulled off. I thought it was just the perfect framework of how to do uh, that sort of like, if you were to do like, like, a, like a trilogy, like I see it as a trilogy. You know, I thought the, how they did it, how they pulled it off was, was just amazing. And with the two characters being so different, I mean, everyone know how, knows how Ric Flair is, you know, the very flamboyant character. And Steamboat being the down-to-earth family man sort of thing, that's how they were pitched. That's how they were doing the promos, you know, and they were just battling it out. I, I thought it, it, was, it's, it was almost like a clinic to me on how to do a, a storyline like that. And it, I think it still stands, you know, even just watching it again now, uh, as I did recently, I think it just stands on its own. I think it's definitely got the strong legs. Absolute great call. So these are, what is this, like 88, 89, right? Yeah, late 80s. Yeah. I mean, of, of course. I mean, obviously, growing up, you know, especially all of us growing up in New York, we were, we were WWF town, right? So, but... NWA was always to me the you know WWF was always the, the more cartoony and the cartoons and I loved it don't get me wrong that was where I lived but NWA was like this forbidden fruit this more real more gutsy you know more blood and all this stuff was going on down there and I remember this the Flair Steamboat feud like it was yesterday not so much that I watched it because we didn't have a lot of access to you know uh, Crockett promotions and stuff like that back then but I lived in the wrestling magazines. I would run to my newsstand every week and, you know, Flair was always on the cover. Steamboat was always on the cover. And the biggest thing that I loved in the wrestling magazines, I loved towards the back, they would have all the rankings. They'd have the NWA champion and then the rankings. They'd have the WWF champion, the rankings. They'd have the AWA champion and the rankings. They'd have the Florida champion and the rankings, so on and so forth. So I would keep up with all these feuds through the wrestling magazine. But this was one of if not the biggest of of the, that N nwa era back then and let me just add to that what you just said because back then i agree back then we didn't really have all the access to that as we did to to wwf but we do now and, right <laughs> but we do now and like i just said before when you watch it now it still holds up absolutely compared to compared to you know stuff that's out now it still holds up and that's the value of it. Even though we didn't, even though I myself included, didn't really have access to it back then. I watch it right now, and I'm I'm thinking, wow, this this holds up on its own. It's almost timeless to me. Oh, could I mean, e literally every night in bed, what I do is I'm I'm on the WWE network and I'm watching all this old footage. What I would love them to do more of, and I do, I know they do it a little bit periodically. I want them to build spots of these feuds and these storylines as an all-encompassing doc. It doesn't have to be with interviews and stuff, but 
I, they should put storylines and timelines together with all the vignettes and all the, the into backstage interviews, all the lead-ups, not just click on this match on this paper. You click on this match on this event. I want to like see all, right, all the in-between stuff is really where the storylines build. You know what I mean? Flair with, I think some, a lot of stuff with Steamboat. Sun was involved and all that little stuff of that feud. Yeah. Yeah. You you could find it, but you'd have to know exactly where and where, when that aired on every little episode. If they put all that stuff in one little box and said, here's the Flair Steamboat trilogy beginning to end, not only the matches, but all the stuff in between, it would be epic. Yeah. Nice, Rube. I mean, Great one. the time capsule would be great. All right, so I'm going to go with my number four is not, maybe it's not as famous to us, and it wasn't even in my radar when I was a kid, but now looking back at it as an adult, and I got to really dive into this storyline more, it's it's one of the most, to me, one of the most important storylines in wrestling history because it really brought wrestling to the mainstream. And I'm talking about the Jerry Lawler-Andy Kaufman feud. On April 5th, 1982, in Memphis, Tennessee, Andy Kaufman, the actor, comedian, and intergender wrestling champion, had his first wrestling match with a member of his own sex. The opponent was a very serious wrestling favorite named Jerry Lawler. Tonight, for the first time on network television, they meet face-to-face. -face. Here are Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler. When I see uh, Jerry here, I've never seen the man in person before, to me, you'd have to be nuts to want to get into the ring with this guy. Uh, he appears to be maybe twice your weight. Why, what was your motivation for wanting to fight him? Well, I had had uh, so many matches with women and I always won and I started really believing that I was a good wrestler. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, I don't know, I'd beaten women the bigger than him. I really thought that I could beat him. <laughs> and I also, when I started getting worried and thinking maybe I couldn't beat him, I thought I would just run away from him the whole time. Uh -huh. and I couldn't do now, that. Uh, no sportsman-like thing to do. but. Everybody that sees Andy Kaufman, the way he is now, you know, Mr. Nice Guy, very lovable, the Latka character and everything. This is not the Andy Kaufman that, uh, that I saw, because he sent, he sent a lot of interviews and uh, uh, clips into Memphis, insulting me. He, uh, as I recall, Andy, you, you kind of uh, just egged him into this, didn't you? I was you? just teasing and fun. My father said, my father said, my manager said, they all said that I had a right, I could have gotten a lawyer and I could have sued you for what you did, and I didn't, and I just, all I want is an apology. Even you asked me last time I was on your show if I... If I was uh, going to have a that's lawsuit, right. and I yeah. could have sued you. I could have sued you for everything you're worth. Well, and I didn't, because that's, I'm not that kind of a guy. Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, no, no. No. So, again, as a kid, that's Memphis wrestling. I know nothing about any of this. This is even a little earlier than, than my watch history. This is 1982. I started watching in 83. Midway through 83, I started going to Madison Square Garden every month to go see wrestling. But this is 82, so this is way off my radar. Out of the wrestling magazines already since by the time I start getting all the magazines. But when I look back at his the history of wrestling, and I, and I really did a lot of research and watched wrestling you know, the rest of my life, this storyline is so important because Andy Kaufman is obviously a big star. He's on Taxi every week on, on national television. And... He gets involved in wrestling only because he's a big wrestling fan. And the storyline with, with Lawler and Memphis wrestling, he becomes the intergender champion, which is a big deal back then. He's literally wrestling women um, in Memphis <laughs> wrestling. 
finally Lawler, who is, you know, the face of, of Memphis wrestling, has enough and he kind of confronts Andy Kaufman and they have this back and forth that goes on for months. Kaufman fakes an injury and then, you know, obviously it climaxes on that, that, big, that big David Letterman appearance where kayfabe is at, at its all-time high. Andy Kaufman and, and Jerry Lawler are on David Letterman, a national television talk show, and you think these guys absolutely hate each other. And it climaxes with Andy Kaufman mouthing off to Lawler and Lawler slapping Kaufman so hard, hard that he goes flying over the chair. And th- it's so real that, you know, it brought wrestling, I think, oh, really that, that, into that the spotlight. Fun. Yep. I just, uh, I just YouTube yeah. that uh, Letterman clip, and it's, it's, it's hilarious. I mean, you don't know if, if it's real or not. You know, it's just, it really is. Yeah. It really is played off real, and you could, you could actually believe it to be real. That's how well it was done. Well, the funny, the funny thing is, for me, you know, I grew up in a wrestling family. So, like, when my father and the other workers would get together, they'd be talking about all this stuff. So even though we didn't have access to it, a lot of those guys did work there or were there when that stuff was going on. So it's always, I've always had a bit of an insight, uh, a tiny bit of an insight of what was going on and, and, and stuff we couldn't watch because, again, we didn't have access to Memphis to, and not NWO, uh, NWA, AWA, like New Japan. We didn't have, now you can you can you, you can stream that on anything, but you know before it was so limited. But yeah, we would have these. My father, I would just sneak in and hear my father and, his, and the other guys having these kind of conversations, which is always kind of funny. So I always had a little bit of an insight on that. But I, I love that that feud was by far one of the best examples of kayfabe ever. Oh. I mean, I heard stories. I mean, there's a doc, there's an Andy Kaufman doc. There's that movie Man on the Moon. That's where I really learned about all this storyline in, in, in general. But this reports like after he got injured the first time with Lawler, he went to the hospital for like weeks and played it off that he was hurt in the hospital for weeks. Andy Kaufman. But he lived it every day out of his mind. Like to the to the to the, to the scope where Lawler even thought, "Holy shit, is this guy really hurt? What's going on?" That's yeah. how that's how much kayfabe that he was keeping Andy Coffin back in the day. He was insane and incredible. Yeah, yeah, genius actually. Yep. <laughs> All right, back to you, Los. Number three. Oh man, I'm gonna piggyback off the Ric Flair thing. Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. I'm the son of a plumber. I was raised in Austin, Texas, and I never had anything unless I fucked for it, unless I scratched for it, unless I got down on my knees and went for it. So you see, Dusty Rhodes, you're nothing to have the son of a plumber. You can't stand the fact that I was born with a golden spoon in my mouth, can you? Huh? That became 75% of our industry. I'm going to the Russell Fest. It became more important sometimes than the match. You related to what really was going on. It's like people want to, they want to be part of it. I want you out here nose to nose, face to face, Ric Flair. Look at it, see right there. National TV still won't face me. I want you to jump out of that TV. Yeah, you bad. Yeah, you bad, Rick. You bad. You bad. Come out here and see me face to face, brother. The rich, the rich man versus the son of the plumber. 
man, that was that was a, that was amazing. And the way that the way they set that all up with the four horsemen jumping, jumping, uh, poor poor Dusty in the parking lot, breaking his arm, you know, like that 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 man, that if you ever seen any a group of people infuriated at at Flair, that was the time because he picked on this poor guy who was making a living, you know. Uh, as the son of a plumber and now a wrestler. And Dusty Rose, I mean, God, he looked like a California raisin, right? God bless the guy. He did not look like the uh, the, uh, the sculpted wrestler that everybody, that player was at that point. So, you know, for him, and then, uh, you know, it took it took all four of the horsemen to, 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 to take this guy down. But, I mean, that just everything leading up to that. And, I mean, and the matches alone. I mean, Dusty Rose, what a hell of a worker, man. And a hell of a booker, too. He was amazing. So, that's got to be my, my, my pick for that. Rube, what do you think about this one? You know, uh, it was either it was either this or the one with the dragon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> great choice, great choice. But uh, it may or may not be an honorable mention. Uh, it's so funny you just said that because it's actually one of my honorable mentions too. <laughs> so this one, for me... The, the again, obviously, Flair and, and Dusty is so perfect because, like you said, Flair is this flamboyant money guy, and Dusty comes off as, like you said, the son of the plumber, out of shape, just er an everyday man, right? And, you know, the to me, the beginning of this storyline, and it's really, to me, the origin of, almost the origin of the Horseman, too, and I think it was, it was Flair versus Nikita in a cage, and I forget the year, probably 83. Four or five, I think. Flair and Nikita in a cage. Flair wins, but Nikita and Ivan Koloff jump Flair after the match, start beating him up. Dusty Rhodes comes to Flair's rescue, and the crowd goes crazy. They're you know su super happy. Dusty comes to to the rescue, beats up the Russians. The Russians fly out of the ring, but the the other swerve, Arn and Oli come down. They trap. Dusty in the ring, Flair, Arn, and Ole beat up Dusty, and that's when they almost break his leg. And that was really the oh beginning of the Horsemen. They turn on Dusty, and there's, you know, it's part of one of the, the documentaries on WWE Network. They tell the story how they're in a cage, and when they're beating up Dusty, the crowd is so infuriated that they're trying to get to the Horsemen, which who aren't even the, called the Horsemen yet. They're trying to get to Flair and the Andersons, and they want to kill them because of what they're doing to Dusty in the cage. And they say how the cage almost saved their life that night. <laughs> Great stuff. I mean, Flair Dusty is is the best. I mean, the blood alone in that feud, the two of them with their blonde hair, oh, is, God, how yeah. can you beat it, right? <laughs> as, the way, as, they, as the a, way those guys beat like stuck pigs, man. <laughs> oh, it's the best. As a, as a mild footnote to this, I remember uh when joey you first started joining band when you first joined kiss nation you would just like as as often as ace freely would say ack you would just go Woo! <laughs> everywhere all the time i'm like what the hell is wrong with this guy that was on his answering machine too on his phone <laughs> that was on your phone you was a phone message that was I my mean, voicemail for 20 years for, for a while, yeah, that's yeah. all you can say. <laughs> <laughs> and again, growing up in in the Northeast, I didn't wasn't that exposed to Flair, but Flair was like this forbidden fruit. Like you couldn't, 
you, you didn't get to see him that much, but everything you saw of him, you loved. He was, like he says, the man. Oh, Becky Lynch is now, but never, never mind. <laughs> well, that's this beautiful flair. I think Flair's taking them the court for that, right? <laughs> All right, Rube, back to you, number three. Number three, I think we're going to have our first repeat. And number three for me is definitely The Rock and Stone Cold. You know, for many of the same reasons that Los, uh, Los mentioned earlier, uh, I think they are the most iconic rivalry in that era. Uh, I think it's they were just such a foundation, the two of them, for, you know, again, not only their in-ring ability, but for, you know, their characters, you know, their, their, their mics, you know, their mic ability, their promos. Um, I, you know, I don't know if you guys watch The Rock show Young Rock, but uh, whenever they, uh, they do a flashback sequence of uh, 90s version of Rock, there's, there's Stone Cold right there. And I'm like, oh, I want them to talk more about that, that, that history they have. There. The, the two of them together, it was just like dynamite. And uh, it's iconic, and that's why they're my number three. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, those two together on screen, God, what what better TV can you see? Not only in ring stuff, but on just them yelling at each other. It's just every week was absolute gold. You know, we talk about Flair, Dusty, and uh, Flair, Steamboat, and all these real big feuds. Rock, Austin, maybe if you really think about it. Never was there two bigger stars that had a, had that story, a storyline together. And I don't think, you know, I don't think one of them overshadowed the other. They were Agreed. just so oh, yeah, on yeah, each yeah, other's yeah. level. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No one, neither of them Not was, yeah. like, neither of them were, was, like, flinched at each other. They were just on par, on game. The two of them face to face all the time. Agreed. Awesome one. Yep. Obviously repeat, but let's keep it real. That's that's gotta be on your list. I love it. All right. So my number three, this really might be my technically my favorite storyline. I didn't put it at number one, but just because I think there's a couple that are bigger for the wrestling business. But this one, especially for me as a kid. So obviously we all know the Hogan Andre saga, right? Hogan's my guy growing up. Oh, Thunderlips right there on my shirt. Hogan's everything to me. But Which Hogan, was your email for a long time. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's, that's, what do you mean? It still is. Um, and Hogan's my guy growing up. But Hogan, people don't remember, he was unbeatable. Even the King Kong Bundys and the, you know, the Big John Studs and the one-man gangs and all these guys, yes, they, they were big and they were bad, but you never actually thought Hogan was losing. That's how big he was during his run starting in 84 in the WWF, okay? Andre, of course, was the only guy bigger than life, even over Hogan at this time. So when he turns heel, to me, it's one of the greatest things ever. But that's not the storyline I'm going for. I'm going to fast forward a little bit. So we know that we know the storyline. Andre turns heel, challenges Hogan at WrestleMania. Hogan body slams him for the pin. The wrestling world forgets. They think that's the end of the storyline. Hogan wins at WrestleMania. Andre's the, the, the vanquished, you know, villain. He's gone forever. No way. Something to me even bigger happens. So later on, 
There's a rematch, the WrestleMania three rematch live on the main event, which was used to be Saturday night's main event. Broadcast television, Channel 4, NBC television, was, it turned into the biggest wrestling event of all time, most viewed wrestling event of all time. The main event, it was the Hogan-Andre rematch from WrestleMania 3, which everyone forgets about. Now, the match wasn't a lot to be talked about. Andre was hurting at this point, but at the end of the match, to me, this is where the best storyline of all time comes in. Hope Andre falls on Hogan. One, two. Hogan clearly gets his shoulder up. Ref counts three. Andre is the new champion. All of a sudden, there's two, <laughs> there's two refs in the ring. Twin referees in the ring. Referee Dave Hebner made his decision. He's standing by it. And we have a new World Wrestling Federation. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What's going on in the ring? What is going on in the ring? Wait a minute. Is that Dave Hebner? Or is that Dave Hebner? How could there be two Dave Hebners? Look at these guys. Wait a minute. They look man. just alike. They look just alike. The guy on the right's Hebner, isn't it? The guy oh, on the left is Hebner. Wait, though. The, no, the guy on the right is. Wait a minute. The Hulkster's coming over to figure out which the official referee assigned was a man by the name of Dave Hebner. Kogan, I'm sure there's going to be a thorough investigation by the World Wrestling Federation into what happened here tonight, and I know you could not be any more disappointed. How much money did they spend on the plastic surgery, man? I had all bases covered. I had the Hulkamaniacs watching Deep Yossi. I had Virgil in his place. Never in my wildest dreams, me, Gene, would I think that I would get ripped off by a penny-pinching two-time referee. How much money on the plastic surgery? How much how much money did he spend to pay the referee off when I turned around, me, Gene? They were identical. Identical. Right, right here, Holt. Here it Look is now. Shoulder, brother. Look at the shoulder. That's him. The referee has paid off, brother. Look at the $100 bill falling out of his pocket. I know you're disappointed. Hulk Hogan, Vince McMahon, Jesse Ventura. Ted DiBiase is in the corner of Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant relinquishes. He made a bad promo here, but he relinquishes the, the WWF championship belt to Ted DiBiase because he paid Andre to go get it for him from Hogan, right? Now, technically, Andre won, but DiBiase is the new champion because Andre gives him, the, gives him the championship because he got paid off to do it. There's two refs in the ring. Hogan's losing his mind. There's twin referees. We don't know what happened. But obviously he got screwed because the one referee was paid off by Ted DiBiase. The real ref who was trapped in the back, they, they sabotaged him. He, they wouldn't let him out to the ring. The storyline goes, Hogan's, Vin, Hogan's promo backstage is, is classic, screaming, how much did DiBiase pay for the plastic surgery to get the ref to look <laughs> like the that. other ref? Now, obviously, we know, you know, flash, flash forward, no KP. Earl Hebner and what's the other guy's name, Carlos? You remember? Earl and, Dave. Dave. Earl and Dave Hebner Dave, were really Dave. twin brothers that twin they used brothers, to, yeah. in this storyline. But the storyline goes, Hogan thinks that DiBiase got plastic surgery <laughs> on another ref right. to screw him out of the world title. I mean, Jesus Christ, if this is not soap opera um, TV at its best, I don't know what is. <laughs> 
My I, as a kid, my jaw is like this. Oh, I can't believe what I'm looking at on television, watching this, and then hearing that DBI and I believe all of it. DiBiase paid for plastic surgery to have this ref screw Hogan out of the title. Greatest thing ever. Now, from for our, from our point of view, was the was the quote unquote real ref was it was Dave the real ref, and and Earl was like the the mystery twin. I think the opposite, right? Po possibly, I the right? Because I, I think Earl was the Earl was the the more veteran ref, and Earl was right. the guy. Who, Earl, the, Earl was the household name, right? Earl, Earl, was, household name. Earl was the guy who screwed Brett out of the title too, right? At the Montreal right. screwjob. Oh, right. Earl right. was house, he was the household. household he was name. the main ref, and then Dave was like the secondary okay. guy. So I think again, <laughs> I don't know for sure, but God, what a storyline! <laughs> that was a good storyline. That was a good one. Oh, so and people forget it because they think you know all the wrestling rewrites history, right? WWE rewrites their own history. The body oh, yeah, slam at WrestleMania is the end of that feud. They put a button on it. No, this main event, this this rematch was bigger than ever because really, what people don't realize is Hogan's the champion from '84, straight through all of this. This is the first time the yeah. title comes off of Hogan. You know, it's before Warrior beats him. It's before all that. This is when the title comes off of oh, yeah, everybody. Everybody's jaws drop. Yeah. Right. And it the opens whole wrestling up wrestling world gas. It opens up the whole <laughs> wrestling gamut for all the other competitors because Hogan goes off and films some movies, I think, at this time. And they put the, they they vacate the title and they do the, the tournament at the next WrestleMania where obviously we know um who get who Ooh, Macho yeah. Macho gets it, right? Macho gets it and then Flair gets it after yeah. that. But right. So <laughs> Incredible storyline. That's my number three. Had to do it. All right, Los. Back to you. Number two. Number two. All right. Road Warriors and Powers of Pain. Wow. Oh, yeah. Uh, Pain, look, two big monsters right there. Both men. Well, look, at, look at the shoulders and the definition of these two men. These are giants. And, of course, then you look at the Road Warriors across the ring. Perhaps the biggest and baddest team ever in wrestling. The uncrowned champion and former six-man tag team champion. A lot of stake in this match. A lot of pride. And it was was it anything beautiful? It was King Kong versus Godzilla. Four fucking guys beefy, just destroying each other. Just nothing but sides of beef in the ring and blood everywhere. But they really, uh, that was the first time the role was ever really challenged physically. Right when it came to tag team wrestling, because before the you know, you know the four horsemen gave them a bit of a tr little trouble because there was always four four horsemen over over them. But you know, and then a few people here and there, but nobody physically challenged the road warriors the way the powers of pain physically challenged. Call us, remind people who who the powers of pain were. The powers of pain basically it was it was uh, it ended up being warlord and, and uh, Haku, but. Um, but not how cool. Who was barbarian, other? right? Barbarian, right? Barbarian, Warlord barbarian. and barbarian. Warlord and barbarian, right. and and they basically were carbon copies of the Road Warriors. And the thing that ruined the Road Warrior Demolition feud was Powers of Pain went to WWE first, and they did that whole run with Demolition. So by the time Road Warriors went to WWE, it doesn't matter. And everybody's always like, "Oh, the, the, you know, Road Warriors Demolition that was great." I was like, "No, they fought a handful of times at that." Right. And at that time, Crush was in there, Axe was on his way out. So that was, they, they missed the boat on that. But Powers of Pain was really, 
the only tag team at that time, like where they handcuffed the animal, and it was like it was really just like they, and they pushed the barbell, and they supposedly cracked the socket of his eye, and all this stuff. Like, they were the only that. guys who yeah. gave them this kind of. Yeah, so they, nobody ever gave them this 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 hard time because before then, they were just running through everybody. I mean, their, their matches were like maybe five minutes long, if that. You know, they would go in and beat the hell out of you and leave. So to me, road, you know. That was my King Kong versus Godzilla. And Road Warriors are always going to be my favorite tag team. No, that's a great pick because it's something that I totally forgot about, too. I'm always think. obviously, I think Road Warriors, I think NWA. But when they were in WWE, you're right. I think right. in my in my brain, my brain tricks me to think of, obviously, Demolition Road Warriors. But you're right. That didn't happen as much as we think it happened because of Warlord and, no. and Barbarian at the time were basically WWE's version of the Road Warriors. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice pick. Well, they hired them first, and then they did that run with, with Demolition. Right. Nice, nice. All right, Rubes, back to you. Number two. Number two is a, I guess, uh, a little bit of a repeat, but I want to broaden it uh, a little bit more. I'm talking about the entire career feud rivalry between Brett the Hitman Hart and Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels. Uh, which includes, as you mentioned, the the screw job as well. But that just led to just, I mean, the two of them with HBK, Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels being like Vince's golden boy. And he was cocky, not only in the ring, but behind the scenes as well. And Brett with his real life struggles in regards to his unhappiness of where he fit in WWE at the time, you know, him being a veteran and really probably just not having the best taste for Sean at all in real life. And this just played out perfectly in, in regards to creativity, in regards to the feud writing throughout their career, which you still see documentaries about this now. You still see like uh, 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 like documentaries of, of, of them like reuniting and sometimes well is is it still real are they do they still feel animosity towards each other whatever i mean that's how strong this rivalry was you don't see documentaries now or people worrying if the rock and stone cold still hate each other right but with but with hbk and hitman it's still you know it was that touchy you know yeah. It was that touchy. It wasn't maybe as flamboyant as as uh, as The Rock and Stone Cold, but it felt a lot more real than that because partially it was. It was right. It was a yeah. lot of te- there was a lot of tension there for sure, and it and, yeah. it, and it played out outside behind the behind the behind the camera for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You you felt the tension when they, and it was mm-hmm. like a real. These guys really hate each other. Like, you know, they, they thought they were going to rip each other apart, you know? Right, yeah. That was a great, great pick. Yeah, I love, I mean, two of my favorite, one or two of my favorite wrestlers at all, uh, of all time. I mean, Definitely great, yeah. great pick. There's nothing better in wrestling when you're not sure. Again, we talk about kayfabe a million times already today. When you're not sure if something's real or not. If you're not sure, do these guys really hate each other? Do these guys really have tension? Because when there's real tension, anything can happen. That's why live TV is so great, right? Because you know anything can happen at any moment. But, quick, I mean, a little backstory with the Sean Brett stuff. To me, I always think about, too, like, what led to all 
that stuff. So I don't, you know, people don't realize too, I think Brett and Sean never even see the light of day if it's not for the steroid trial, right? So obviously WWE is the big monster organization, Hogan and Andre and King Kong Bundy and all these jacked up guys, Vince Love, right? He never pushed the little guys. Sean and Brett have been in the WWE for 10 years already at this point. Brett was at wrestle. Brett was on the WrestleMania one card, so these guys are buried as tag team people and undercard guys. And it wasn't until the steroid trial, where you know Vince was accused of distributing steroids to the, all the wrestlers, where they had to stop juicing, they had to stop pushing the bigger guys, and Hogan leaves the company, and all these other guys get this opportunity. And it start to me, it starts with Brett and Sean, and it's great because. Two guys that would never have had that opportunity became two of the biggest stars in, in, in history of wrestling. Good point. That's a great point, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. at that point it was at that point it was land of the dinosaurs. So everybody right. anybody six foot and under has got to get a push. <laughs> they were going leaner. They were going after yeah. after the yeah. trial. They were they were going leaner. Yeah. No, they had no that, choice because at that yeah. point those are the only guys that weren't juiced yeah. up. Right, Vince. Vince had to show his organization wasn't just these, you know, poster child, you know, these big roided up guys. It was, it was guys like Sean and Brett, and and it worked. It worked great. It just shows you that, you know, the vision that Vince always had or someone else doesn't have, doesn't always work. You got to give people opportunities to get in front of the camera to build storylines, and Sean and Brett proved that to, to to be a fact. All right, killer, killer number two. All right, my number two. Everyone, again, i got to go back to the Hulkster. Everyone knows that I love Hulk. I was out of wrestling for a little while, and it's kind of during the years you're talking about, Rubes. During these early 90s, I got out of wrestling a little bit just because, I don't know, I got, became more serious about music and stuff, and I didn't, I don't know, I just didn't have time for wrestling that much come 89, 90, 91, 92. What got me immersed back in, and I think it got a lot of people immersed back in, Bash at the Beach. 1996, Hogan is now in WCW. He's a babyface, comes out to the rescue of the Macho Man. Hall and Nash have been invading from the WWE. They're beating up Macho. They're beating up Sting. Hogan comes out. He's and the third mystery guy moment. <laughs> right. Nash is down. And then there was one, and it was Sting, and he didn't look too good. Hulkamania! Hulk Hogan is here! Hulk Hogan's here! Hulk Hogan is in the building! You're damn right he is! Go get him, Hulkster! Yeah, but whose side is he on? Go, what are you talking about? Whose side is he on? What are you talking about? Yes, sir! Get him, Hogan! Go get him, baby! Come on and get some of this now. Who's bad now, boys? Hulk Hogan arrived. Hulk, Hulk, Hulk. What is oh he doing? Oh, my God. Is he the third man? He's the third man. What oh. the hell is going on here? Hulk Hogan has betrayed WCW. He is the third man. Well, the first thing you got to realize, brother, is this right here is the future of wrestling. You can call this the new world order of wrestling brother these two men right here 
came from a great big organization up north, and everybody was wondering who the third man was. Well, who knows more about that organization than me, brother? So Hall and Nash against Macho, Sting, and Luger? Who, right? Macho, Sting, and Luger, I think, right? Against Hall and Nash. And Hall and Nash had a mystery partner that, no, that they weren't revealing. Hogan comes out to the rescue, never thinking that he's the third man on that side, goes into the ring, and the best heel turn in the history of the business, for my, for my take, Hogan turns heel. Nobody saw it coming. The NWA, NWA, NWO is formed, and the rest is history. The 90s wrestling explosion happens. Wrestling becomes more realistic, more gritty. WWE has Doink the Clown and Repo Man at this time, and they're forced to become more... <laughs> They're, they're forced to be. Repo man. Repo man. That was Smash. That was Smash. They're forced to become more realistic, which creates Austin and The Rock. So that end of that Hogan heel turn sets all this in motion with the WWE going more realistic with Austin and Rock and all these other angles. And obviously, it creates the Monday Night Wars. And it's to me, it's one of the biggest moments in wrestling. Oh yeah, I mean Great that pick. was that was by far by Iconic. far the most shocking moment in wrestling. That's right. For, uh, to see Hogan actually team up with heels and 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 uh, uh, supposedly Hogan wanted to do this kind of flip with the at the end of the Warrior match, and Vince said nobody would buy him as a heel. Wow, but, man! Talk about missing the boat. Oh. That would have been just a huge. I mean, How epic that would that been have huge. been? If he hits the warrior yeah. after that, oh. That's it. That's it, yeah. And I mean, we were just talking about that. We've been the best part yeah, of that match. match. Yeah, exactly. I like that. I like that match. <laughs> you liked a lot of the hand-holding? <laughs> Listen, I'll, let me, I, no joking around. I will take the test of strength in the middle of the ring for three minutes with the heel, hit, you know, hitting the guy in the nuts at the end. Over high fly luchadors all day. That to me, that's a storyline. I don't want to see a guy. You know why? Because everyone's like, "Oh, but the luchadors—they're so they're much more real." And the high flyers, it's real. Horseshit. What's more real? Test the strength in the ring, or a guy doing a flip over the top rope, and there's nine wrestlers on the outside of the ring waiting to catch him like this. It's ridiculous. That's where, that's where the disconnect is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's more that, that's more of an American thing. That that's been happening since they came here. Like the the waiting. In Mexico, there's Terrible. no waiting. It's just right. they, they fly over the ropes, they hit you. Over here, they like <laughs> it, it's basically you may as well have the guy from the airport with the flashlight. Right. It's, it's <laughs> terrible. Right. So I, I I'm all I'm all about, you know, build. I don't care if it looks real or not. I want storyline in the ring. I don't care if you can do a freaking right. Eight somersault thing off the top rope, and it means nothing to me. I'll take a punch in the nuts right. over that any day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, killer. So where are we? We're up to oh, we're up to Los's number one, right? Number one. Let wow. me recap, Los. Hold on. We got number five, yeah. Austin Rock. Number four, Lucha Underground, um, Pentaverse Mil Milmuertes, right? Yep. Number three, uh, Flair, Dusty Rhodes. Number two, Road Warriors, Power of Pain. Great pick. Number one, favorite wrestling storyline of all time. Give it to me. 
honestly, and I, I mean, and I, I know I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to be said to death, Andre Hogan. Yeah. Andre Hogan, man. The buildup, not the match, obviously, was great because Andre was in good health at that point as well, but just the buildup of when he came out with Bobby Heaton and the gasp oh. of the fans and Hogan's face and the dialogue, and when he rips the shirt and the cross. Wait, what's going on here? Hold on, man. What are you doing with him? You guys aren't together. Come on, man. Andre, what are you doing here with Heenan? What's going on? Andre, listen, man. You can't be here with him. Don't you know what Heenan's done to me? To these people out here since you've been gone? It can't be so. Andre, listen to me. Day one, man, when I set my eyes on you, brother, you're the reason I got in professional wrestling. You were like a god to me, a role model. You can't be here with him, man. You're the one that took me all the way from nothing to the world's title. Andre, you can't be with him, man. No, no, wait one minute. You're the one that taught me, man, about respect for the fans, about helping the kids. You're the one that taught me about good sportsmanship. You set the, the mold for me to follow, man. What are you doing here with him? I'll tell you what he's doing here with me. He's sick and tired of you and what you stand for. Let me tell you something, Hogan. You're the one that for three years as world champion used this man. You're also the vermin that made this man. I can't tell you what I think about. You used him, they gave him a trophy. But no, that wasn't good enough. It was a littler trophy than yours. But you had to walk out and steal that moment. You're so jealous of this man, you can't stand it. He, oh, this is the man for 15 years that is undefeated. But did you ever once? No, man, you're wrong. You're wrong, you're wrong. When I won the world title, he poured champagne over my head. It was like a bond of friendship. You're wrong, Ian. Did you ever once, once in your life, offer him a championship match? You laughed behind his back. No, Andre, listen, it's not happening. Tell me it's not so, man. Even though you came out here with him, you don't have to leave with him. It's not happening. Thank you, Ansel, i shoulders. One more thing to say to you, Hogan. Look at me when I'm talking to you. I'm there for one reason. To challenge you for a world championship match in the WrestleMania. Andre, please, no, it's not happening. We're friends. We're friends, Andre, please. You can't believe it? Maybe you'll believe this, Hogan. Andre, what are you doing, man? You can't leave like this, man. What are you doing, Andre? You can't my cross the shirt. What's wrong with him, man? You can't leave like this. You're bleeding. And then fast forward to when Piper's finally hounding him for an answer, and he roars yes, and the crowd goes bananas. Oh. I mean, just that whole thing. And that's why I always say, you know, it's, it's as much, and I, I agree with you, listen, wrestlers today, highly skilled, amazing. I mean, they're doing stuff that wasn't done, that nobody even dreamed of 20, 10, 20 years ago. However, nothing trumps a good storyline. I don't care what anybody says. Nothing trumps a good storyline. And that was proof positive. Because if you watch WrestleMania, Savage and Steve steal the, steal the night, man. That, that's a wrestling clinic. You know, but when they, but no, everybody forgets that when these two bohemians step in the ring. And the, 
turned on his best friend. They were like they were buddies, and that 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 emotional connection is why everybody goes back to that match because it was not just it wasn't because of Andre and Hogan. And again, it's not like now where if now if that was a feud, they'd wrestle every week until WrestleMania, right? You know? And then it, it loses its luster. Loses so its luster, this, of course. Yeah. So at this point, you know, Andre's coming out and choking Hogan. You know, Hogan's just fucking coming out and hitting Andre. They're protecting Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and they're running in and running, and they're doing all this stuff. And then when they finally get this payoff, and people are throwing trash at Andre at the WrestleMania. <laughs> you know? But that but that Andre chokehold, that Andre chokehold, when he gets those big oh, hands God. around your neck, to me, there's nothing more believable than that. Jesus Christ, when 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 he's oh, God. when he has Hogan like that, and all the wrestlers are trying to get him off Hogan's throat. It's it's great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, that, the build that up, to me was always going to be one of my favorites. The buildup the build of that. Up, build remember up. with the trophies? Hogan got the big trophy. Andre's yeah. trophy was smaller. Yeah, they and they were like, well, why, Andre, why is your trophy smaller than Hogan's? You could see the yeah. little, the seeds being planted every week on, oh, it was, God, what a great buildup. Oh, yeah. What a great storyline. Yeah. Um, and, and at that time, Heenan was like the godfather of wrestling. Yeah. So if any wrestler showed up with heat, that was a problem. That was that was like the mafia showing up at your door. Yep. You know, <laughs> you knew bad things would happen if he if Heenan was next to you. Yes. Killer. Yeah, <laughs> that's can't, always going to be my number one. I can't dispute that. Rubes, up to your number one. Let me recap. Number five, Trish and Lita. Number four, Flair Steamboat. Number three, Rock Austin. Number two, Brett and Sean. And your number one storyline of all time is... My number one storyline may or may not be the greatest storyline in wrestling history, but is the, it is the one, the reason why it's the number one is the one that affected me most as a fan, especially as I watched it. And it's still to this day, when I think about it, I remember how I felt when it happened. And I am talking about the mega powers exploding. Thank God someone did it. Thank you. It's not my number one. I'm so glad you did it. Go. Miss Elizabeth brought these two larger-than-life personalities together. When you mess with one half of the mega powers, you're going to mess with both of them. You had the, the woman between the two guys. In reality, Randy was so incredibly jealous. There is some speculation as to friction between the mega powers. For me to give Liz an extra look or a thumbs up. Oh, yeah, look at my girl brother. Those eyes lost to Liz. All of a sudden, they hated each other, and they were out for blood. Hulkamania is dead. This is what we've all been waiting for. The mega powers will explode. What the word was meant for. The handshake between you and me that will unite us as one being. The handshake of the madness and the mania together will formally be felt. And around the world, we will make the world stand still because this is the first public shaking of the mega powers, brother. Whoa! For Hulk Hogan, you wouldn't be that spot right there. You wouldn't be that spot right now. You know what I'm saying? What the heck is wrong with you, man? What do you mean with that? Why did you leave me out there? No, what is wrong with you? Those eyes right there. Those
those eyes. Lost Elizabeth, you understand that? You got my face. You got lust for Elizabeth right there. And I'm gonna tell you, it makes me sick. I can't even stay to look at you. You turned my guts to stew. If you wanted to come at me, man to man, for the belt, I would beat you one, two, three. That would be okay. Try and talk some sense into this guy, man. Try and talk some sense into him. Okay, that was the mega powers involved Hulk Hogan, Randy Macho Man Savage, and at that time, their shared manager, Miss Elizabeth. And at that time in the 80s, the two most popular wrestlers was basically Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage. And to me, as a young viewer, it was like watching Superman and Batman together. Okay, they were the number, they were one and two all the time. And when they got together and when Hulk came out, I guess it was like at the end of WrestleMania four at the tournament and, and helped Macho Man uh, uh, win the title and they become friends, you know, as, as simple as that storyline might sound now to a kid, I'm like, oh my God, they're friends now. They're going to be like, oh, no, yeah, it was that yeah, yeah. You know, it was like it was the it was like the best thing ever for a young fan for me. I didn't know at that time that that whole storyline was meant for them to actually fail a year later. <laughs> you know, but you know, uh, just to see them two together and that whole journey, and even when you saw like the slow build of the of the planting of the seeds of discontent there, particularly with uh, that focused on pretty much. Macho Man's real life over jealousy and overprotectedness of of Elizabeth. They brought that into the storyline, and that and they used that as the 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 anchor of how to to make the Mega Powers explode. For, for instance, when like when Elizabeth was wearing the gold dress and like her, her, her gold skirt came down, whatever, and Hulk lifted her on her shoulders, and you saw Macho Man being upset. You know, as a kid, I'm like. No, no, Randy, don't be mad. Don't be mad, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't mean anything by that, right? He doesn't mean anything by that. And when that big night happened at Saturday night's main event, when, when uh, I guess it was um, Elizabeth got injured or whatever, and Hulk left Randy in the ring, Hulk carried Elizabeth, wanted to make sure Elizabeth was okay, Hulk felt betrayed. I mean, I mean, Randy felt betrayed because Hulk, you know, left Randy, and that was it. Based on the storyline, according to the storyline, that was the that was the final nail in the coffin. And when Hulk came back to try to join in the match, you just saw Macho Man just totally just flip out and just slap the heck out of Hogan. Yeah, Hulk, and, and Hulk is like Batman; he creeps all his own village. That that was it, and then and then you see the quote unquote behind the scenes footage in in like the medical yes. room with Elizabeth in you know in 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 the in the, on the bed, and you see a, a macho man putting his finger at, at Hogan. You see, you got lust in your eyes. Got lust in your eyes. Da, 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 da. And then he just slams him with the oh. belt. That's it. It was it was over, and my heart broke. 
<laughs> I was like, no, no, because it was yesterday, less than a year ago that I saw that iconic handshake, that iconic handshake between oh. the between the madness and the mania. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Oh. As a kid, I ate all that up. And then a year later, man, he slams Hogan with the title. I'm like, oh, man, I was totally heartbroken. And then it was the decision for WrestleMania 5. Who's, who's, who's corner would Elizabeth stand, stand by? Would she stand by Macho Man? Would she stand by Hulk Hogan? And, you know, that was, that was just, you know, to me, that's my number one feud, my number one rivalry, because it still affected me emotionally as a kid. That's why I love it so much. Storytelling 101. They built that up. Like you said, they know a year earlier where that's going. You got to build the storyline backwards. You got to know, okay, where do we need to get to? They knew, same as always, Hogan doesn't have a rivalry. He doesn't have a guy that he can fight and challenge him for the title. Let's build this storyline for a year with this other big baby face, Macho Man, and let's build this storyline with these you, these superpowers connecting, the mega powers, if you will, and the slow build of these two guys, the way they did it with Elizabeth, of course, hanging in the balance, Hogan accidentally putting his hand on Elizabeth's butt on that, that one scene when she's on Macho's shoulder, and they freeze frame it on like one, the next episode, and Macho's looking at it, going crazy. It, the way they did it and the real-life jealousy that Macho had, his acting didn't need to be that far-fetched because he was really that jealous and you know you hear horror stories of macho locking elizabeth in the locker room by herself not allowed to interact with people backstage and all these crazy stories about how he was really that jealous of elizabeth so this storyline and again macho and elizabeth at that time were the you know the 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 president and first lady of wrestling if you will they they were everything and when hogan comes back and joins this to make this trio it's the biggest thing in wrestling, you know, history at that time. And then when they when they break up, God, kids all lost their minds all over the world. And I was one of them. It was totally one of them, man. <laughs> I was heartbroken, dude. <laughs> when we got to our number ones and no one picked Mega Powers yet, I was like, holy, how could we not have Mega Powers? When you, when you asked me to do this, mean- I knew Mega Powers was my number one. Oh. Mega Powers was my number one immediately. So I got, uh, we're up to my number one. So Mega Powers, incredible pick, of course. So let me recap mine so far. My, mine, um, number five, Montreal Screwjob. Number four, Lawler, Andy Kaufman. Number three, the twin refs. How much did he pay for the plastic surgery? Number two, the formation of the NWO, Hogan's heel turn. And my number one storyline of all time. Now this one. To me, I really believe there's no bigger storyline in wrestling history because I don't think the WWF, WWE, is where it is today without this storyline. Especially one Captain Lou Albino, your manager, the man who has taken care of you and actually brought you from nothing and taken you up. Ronnie, wait, wait. Yes, darling. No, I love Lou, but he's not my manager. A lot of people think that. Wait a second, wait a second. You're not calling... You're not calling, wait, wait, no, I know you don't, you don't mean that. You're not calling Lou Albino a liar. I know that. He, he's your manager. Dave would never, Lou would never say that. Lou, hey, how are you? Cindy, Cindy, sweetheart, how you been, baby? How you doing? Cindy, tell all these people out here how I took you, Cindy, and found you in New York City and Queens, and how I made you a superstar. 
Tell him what I did for you, Cindy. Lou, Lou, come on. Oh, he's kidding. No. No, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. no wait a minute, Cindy. Tell him. Tell me. You tell me. I, I wrote the words for time after time, Cindy. And He's only kidding. Oh, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Now you told me that you taken you taken seventy-five percent. You told me that you you brought her from nothing. Took her from telling how a women Cindy belong in a kitchen and pregnant Cindy, that no woman's ever accomplished anything without a man behind her. Cindy, tell him that. Wait, 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 Lou. Lou, you know, I don't like that. You're only fooling around, right? Because I don't no, like no. that stuff. No, no, wait a second. This is not yes. fooling around. You're not kidding? Cindy, 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 just shut up for a minute, Cindy. Tell him what I did for you, Cindy. Tell him how you... Hold, hold that up, hold that up. Tell him how you came off my reputation, Cindy. Captain Lou Albano, how all women are nothing, Cindy. They're slime. How it takes a man to make a woman... I saw the video myself, and I know what he's done. Yeah, about one second in the yeah, video, no, what he's no, no, crazy. No, no, no. It was a big segment, Cindy. You wrote all for me, Cindy. Wait a second, wait a second. I saw, I saw the video myself. You can't come out here and tell me that this man is a liar. I'm not calling him a liar. I don't want to get mad. Now, don't get me mad. Wait a second, we don't care who gets mad. I'll tell you something. Just wait a second, young lady. I don't care what you think. Just a minute, Cindy. I want you to be honest. Tell him how I took you abroad, hanging around New York. What? Abroad? abroad. Oh. Go ahead, tell him a barroom broad naked, Cindy. Go ahead, Cindy. Tell him to Cindy. <laughs> Where's Carlos going? <laughs> <laughs> I think he might have to run. Freak, if you got to run, just go. We'll finish up. So this storyline. Yeah, I got to head out. Go, Freak. I love how he's frozen like that. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Let's leave him on the screen like that. So this storyline, and I'll do a little, little build up to it. So obviously 1983, end of 83, Hulk Hogan comes into the WWF off of his run in AWA, off of Rocky Three, Vince is starting to build the WWF into a, a, a national promotion. Now, this storyline to me is the only thing that could make what he wanted a reality. And it starts with the small little clip of Captain Lou Albano in a little video called Girls just want to have fun on MTV. So this little clip, nobody thinks anything of it. Obviously, Cindy, Cindy Lauper is one of the biggest stars on the planet at this time. Wrestling uh, manager Captain Lou Albano appears in her video as her father. Again, little throwaway. No one thinks anything of it. This slow build of Captain Lou coming out on WWE television every week. Rod, uh, in Piper's Pit, and proclaiming that he is actually Cindy Lauper's manager. And he is the reason for her success. And he wrote all the lyrics to her songs. He wrote all the music. This slow storyline, you're not thinking anything of it, but what happens is Cindy Lauper gets involved in this storyline. And she appears on Piper's Pit to dispute, of course, that she is, you know, that Captain Lou is her manager. No, she said he's just a guy in the video. I met him and he's a friend of mine. And we, I just had him appear in the video. It erupts the end of Piper's Pit. Cindy Lauper's beating up Roddy and, and 
Captain Lou with her purse. And what happens is it all cumulates with this big wrestling event on MTV called The Brawl to End It All. Now, this was, to me, the, the, big, the big bang, if you want, of the rock, of, rock and wrestling explosion, which really creates Hulkamania. It creates WrestleMania. It creates the WWF right. that we know and love. Creates MTV had a lot to do with that. MTV everything. Had. At yes. that time, Brawl to Settle It All, and I just looked this up last night, was the most watched program in MTV history. And all they aired was one match. Wasn't even Hogan. They aired Wendy Richter versus the fabulous Moolah with Cindy Lauper and Wendy Richter's, Richter's corner. Richter, Richter wins the title, and it becomes the biggest event in MTV history. Of course, after that, MTV says, oh, my God, we got to partner with the WWF at the time. And they create this partnership, and they do another pay-per-view, if you will, or national release program, and they air the war to settle the score. And that's the storyline building up for an extra few months. Piper's now involved. Hogan is now involved. And the war to settle the score is Hogan versus Piper. Piper has Orndorff in, in his corner, and um, Hogan has Cindy Lauper in his corner. Captain Lou is now a, a good guy because Piper turns on Captain Lou and so on and so forth. But it all builds to the war to settle the score on MTV. Again, biggest event in cable history at that time. And that leads directly into WrestleMania 1. Now, the, the, the storyline story of Vince saying, oh, he put all his money into WrestleMania 1. He didn't know if it was going to be a success. The company would have went under if WrestleMania 1 is not a success. I think that's all horseshit, to tell you the truth. The, with the success of the MTV war to settle the score and brawl to end it all he knows wrestlemania is going to be the be all end all event he knows everyone wrestling fans and pop culture fans now mtv generation fans are tuning in to see this event at wrestlemania you got mr t involved now you got all these celebrities but the stuff with cindy Lauper leading up to wrestlemania one to me creates what we know as the rock and wrestling connection and the WWF as we know it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think Vince, obviously it's been said a million times before Vince is and was a genius, wasn't is a genius back then with tapping in to MTV, which was just a, you know, uh, in, in its birthing stages, but it attracted the market that Vince wanted for wrestling, you know? And just being a union with MTV was a genius move. Genius, genius. And yes. Perfect, perfectly yeah. said. Again, up to this point, you know, people don't remember, but up to this point, wrestling fans are kind of like, you know, drunk guys and grandmas. And that's what a, the wrestling fan base is. You go, you, you know, you look back at old footage of the garden of Bruno selling out the garden. It's not what you see today of kids oh. and, and families. It's, it's a different... Pulling up action figures. Oh, no, it's a totally different audience. This storyline opens up the whole world to wrestling. Pop culture, these bigger-than-life superheroes that are on screen 
that you could really root for. It's not Superman in a comic book. It's not Batman. It's not the Hulk. It's real life guys in real life storylines with bigger than life personas, bigger than life physiques that you could watch every week, root for the villain, root for the bad guy, and you know, hiss at the villain. And it just creates the new brand of what we know as wrestling today during this MTV era. And that's to me, that's really what starts it. This stupid appearance by Captain Lou in Cindy Lauper's video. Girls just want to have fun. Yeah. It it starts everything. Without I think without MTV, none of this happens. WrestleMania one doesn't happen. All these the the whole crossover branding maybe never happens without MTV getting involved. And they only get involved because of Cindy Lauper. Even MTV, I think at the time, doesn't know what the hell wrestling is. They're just like, okay, we'll air this because Cindy's in it. We would never have Logan Paul in WWE. (laughs) (laughs) But we would never have any of this stuff. None none of this stuff would be happening because it wouldn't be accepted because back in the 70s and early 80s, Wrestling was this more of this underground type thing, even though it was blowing up, you know, Bruno sold the garden out more than anyone ever. It was still more of an underground, weird type of thing that people loved. It wasn't a mainstream pop culture type phenomenon that it becomes after this. Great choice. Numero uno. So we lost, obviously, we lost that freak Lowe's he had to run. But uh, let's do one, one, a quick uh, honorable mention before we wrap this up, Rube. What do you got? I know we, we both said our honor, one of our honorable mentions was the flare, dusty stuff. But you got another one for me? Yeah, I'm thinking, uh, I'm, I was thinking uh, CM Punk and John Cena, uh, especially with uh, that notorious um, pipe bomb speech that Cena makes. And, and that just, just, it just elevates the, the importance and the quote-unquote reality of the Cena Punk uh, uh, match in that upcoming WrestleMania. And I just rewatched the the pipe bomb speech, and boy, he is just, he's sitting down, and Punk is just unleashing on the company. And I'm thinking, and you're thinking, is this real? Is this not real? Is it real? Is this, is this his true feelings whatsoever? You know, and because he just name calls like everybody that's important back at that time, you know, and uh, that's, you know, that's, it's, I think it's an important storyline, important feud, important uh, rivalry. And that's why it's definitely one of my, uh, my honorable mentions. Great choice. You're so right with punk. So punk, I mean, listen, I know he's hard to work with. I hear horror stories um, about that. You, you just can't work with this guy. He's a cancer to the locker room, so on and so forth. But he brought back that realism that you didn't know what he was going to say, when he was going to say it, who he was going to call out. You didn't know if he was really hated by the company, if he really hated the company. You didn't know any of this stuff. This this ambiguity of Punk's just personality creates who he is, and it makes people want to watch him. Was he the best in-ring guy? Was he the best this? No, but it's all of it together creates who he is and makes these storylines watchable because you don't know what's going to happen next. That's what wrestling is all about. Great Best choice. In Best in the world. <laughs> so mine, I'm going to go all the way back. This is what got me started into wrestling. Had no idea what wrestling was. Turned on Channel 9 one day. WWOR-TV in New York. That's where I would watch my wrestling Saturday mornings. Turned it on. 
saw these two guys going at it for the very first time. And I'm talking about Jimmy Superfly Snooker and Don Morocco. Mm-hmm. Now, I knew nothing about wrestling. Uh, this storyline, you know, comes, you know, I, I, as a kid, I didn't even realize what was going on. But it turns out Morocco is finishing up doing something in the ring and Snooker is walking or uh, an interview segment is Snooker is going to the ring to walk to uh, his match. And Morocco sees it as a little bit of a disrespect. And he starts bad-mouthing Snooker, and it's, it cumulates with Sn- Morocco basically spitting on Snooker. And this is where just happens to be where I turn on the TV, and Snooker loses his mind, rips Don Morocco's clothes off, starts beating him to a pulp, and, and delivers a, a promo like a wild man. And I was captivated from then on. I was hooked. I immediately got tickets to go see wrestling at Madison Square Garden later that month, and I went to see Ma- I went to see the Garden Wrestling at MSG uh, from the end of '83 all the way to the end of '84. Every month, never missed. I was there for Hogan winning the title the first time. I saw Sheik win the title. Saw all this stuff all because of the Morocco Snooker feud. Wow, that's a gem. Oh, killer, insane. And then obviously, you know, you know the history. Snooker jumps off the cage and all that stuff. It's it's incredible. You went deep. Oh went yeah. Deep. Killer. Yeah. So this was great. I mean, I know we've been trying to get this episode in for a long time. Obviously, wrestling is a big part of all of our lives. Los is gone now, but it, it was a fun recapping some of the stuff. And I love to hear what what impacts other guys too in wrestling. It's fun to hear other, you know, because I think you know your your a lot of your picks were more a little nineties based. Which I liked. I, I love that Los, like you said, went had to go deep with the Lucha Underground, and even the Rose Powers of deep. Pain pick was pretty pretty deep. That was deep. That was deep. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Rubes. Before we go, any last words? Tell everyone where they can find you. Tell us what you're up to, where you are, where you know where they can where, where they can get everything they need to the, to fix their their Ruby fix for the new year. Get your Ruby fix. Uh, yeah, you can find me online on. Uh... Planet Ruby on Facebook. From there, you can get my Instagram uh, and as well as my Twitter, Planet Ruby on Facebook. And uh, watch out for uh, Kiss Nation coming 2023. We got shows lined up, kissnation.com. You can still check us out and check out a version of Kiss Nation that stresses Ruby a little bit less than when Joey and Carl's were in the <laughs> That is not true. Stop it. So just to plug Carlos, because he's not here, you can find Carlos, same thing across all social media platforms. His name is Carlos Los Espada. Check him out on Instagram. Check him out on Facebook. He's doing a million things too, artwork. And he's got his own Kiss tribute down in uh, Florida called Kiss It, I believe. Right, Rube? Do you know if that's it? I just know he's annoying them now. (laughs) But he's killing it down in Florida. Check him out on social media. Check Ruby out. Kiss Nation is still firing on all cylinders. They're great. Go see them. Obviously, you can find me on all the social media platforms at Joey Casada. This is Top 5 with Joey Casada. Send us your emails at top5withjoeycasada at gmail.com. Let us know what your favorite wrestling storylines slash feuds are of all time. Let us know what you think of our picks. Let us know if you think I should have these morons, these freaks back. Go check out Kiss Nation Mock Rock on my YouTube channel. 
It is hysterical watching us and our banter back and forth. Pre-Z-Rock days, the, if, you, if you will, the, the origin of Z-Rock started in Kiss Nation. He stole our storylines. <laughs> All right, animal. Go enjoy New Year's in uh, New Orleans. Have some fun. We'll see you next Happy time. Happy holidays. Happy New Year's, everyone. Talk to you later. See you later, Joey. Thank you. Later, guys. Bye.